Well, good morning. Yeah, there you go. Uh, what do you think the difference between those who have a fulfilled life and those who do not have a fulfilled life is? What do you think the difference is? Uh, the people who are fulfilled in their relationships, in their finances, uh, in, their, in their ways of generosity, in their relationships, their, their, their ways of serving the Lord. What do you think could be the difference between the two different groups of people? By contrast, there are people who struggle with relationships just uh, in their lives. Their, their finances don't always head in the direction that they would desire. Uh, and they simply may even feel empty compared to those who have a fulfilled life, who, who simply love life. They have an exuding joy about them. What do you think the difference is? Well, we know it's not intelligence or talent or appearance, uh, much to uh, the dismay of our social media feeds would tell us, because there are brilliant people that are continually miserable aren't there? Uh, they're talented people that are broke, and we find out about them, especially when they go to legal filings. Uh, attractive people who can't even hold a relationship, right? Uh, but if we're not careful, the world around us tells us that those are the things that make or break. But what is the difference? Could it be that all of the, the differences boil down to just this, decisions? Just simply decisions. The quality of our decisions determines the quality of our life. Uh, we're starting a message series called Pre-Decide. And today's message is take it back in terms of take your life back, it back. Right? Uh, if the quality of our decisions determines the quality of life, there's a problem, isn't there? We're not good decision makers often. We eat more than we should, right? Uh, we buy things we can't afford. We say words that we should not say. And we hurt the very relationships Jesus has led us into by those very words and the very patterns and behaviors that we live. And we often, in return, hurt ourselves. Maybe not thinking so, but we do eventually hurt ourselves in that process. We often like to think that we're good decision makers, yet we struggle with making right decisions that are really and truly allow us to enjoy life fulfilled the way the Lord desired and has designed us to enjoy. I cannot count the endless unwise decisions I have made throughout my life some of you can count with me some of those, I'm sure, but let me just tell you about one of them. Can I? Can I just tell you where I realized that I was a little, you know, kind of unwise in my decision making? All right, this one is going to take me back, and I could probably tell you some that are closer, but that would, that would just be a little more painful than I can endure. I was a kid, and I remember, I had no idea, by the way, that my mom was going to be here, so uh, this, is, this is really apropos. It fits well. I, I, I was a kid, and I remember it was a summer day, and my mom, had, my mom and dad were in the yard working, and they had said to me, uh, you need to weed the flower beds. Well, 
Who wants to weed the flower beds on a great summer day when you can be climbing trees instead? Right? I mean, come on. Well, that's exactly what I chose to do. I chose to disobey my parents in, in, in weeding the flower beds and helping them out around the house. And I was literally up in a tree when I took a leap of faith, literally, and landed with both arms under my chest. Now, not so bad if it's a short fall, but this is pretty significant. And I remember I woke, you know, I kind of jostled myself and somehow I got up uh, and I got to the kitchen and my mom probably can tell you the story and she may relay this to you later. It's things I've forgotten. But I remember going to the freezer, uh, getting the ice cube tray, no automatic ice cubes, friends. It's like, you know, and holding one end in my mouth and the other in my hand. The reason I did this is because I knew that I had disobeyed. I had made a wrong decision, right? <laughs> wrong decision was all the way back to saying, I don't want to do the flower bed thing. I, I want to be in the tree instead. And then they kind of unrolled from there, as you can guess. Well, I ended up in the ER, and uh, my first and, yes, my only cast I've had other things at the AR, but not. <laughs> but my first and only cast for a broken arm. Uh, luckily, it wasn't both. But yes, broken arm. Uh, I again, like I told you, I have uh, more stories of unwise decisions. But I'll let you go first, and we can go back and forth. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever done anything or something you've regretted? Uh, made a dumb decision. And want to do the right thing, but ended up doing the wrong thing. Today is just simply an intro to uh, this whole message series. So uh, hang on. We're going we're gonna to kind of walk through some things really quickly. So why do we struggle to make decisions? Uh, number one, I think it's we are overwhelmed with choices. We're just overwhelmed with choices. Studies show we make about 35,000 choices daily. Did you know that? 35,000. All from uh, getting up, eating, what, what am I going to wear, uh, am I going to read that, or am I going to tap on that, am I going to scroll on this? I mean, we make a ton of decisions. And if you live in the area, you're trying to figure out if you have to leave the house, like, all right, how am I going to get from point A to point B? That can be a real struggle these days. With this many decisions... With this many decisions, we get just a tad bit fatigued, don't we? Our decision-making muscle simply gets fatigued or tired. Cognitive scientists have termed the phrase, yep, decision fatigue. You can claim it. Go tell your boss, whatever. You know, I just can't make another one today. Essentially, what happens is the volume of decisions increase and the quality of decisions, guess what? Decreases. It just decreases. Uh, you've been here before, maybe. Uh, you've decided that you're going to pay off some debt, and you're, you're trudging along really quite well. And then all of a sudden, it, it pops up, that thing you thought you, you couldn't live without. And you click, and you realize, wait a second, I just buried myself back where I got myself out of, right? Or it's Easy to say, no, this is probably uh, a really good one, because I fall into this one all the time. It's easy to say no to a donut in the morning, 
But by the time it gets to the evening, that scoop of ice cream or that bowl of ice cream, is, it's annihilated, right? Oh, man. Number two, we're afraid of making the wrong choice, aren't we? We're afraid of making the wrong choice. And if we've been Christians for any period of time, this one can kind of beleaguer us a little bit. Because we don't want to miss God's perfect will for us, right? We're like, if I make this decision, is this, is this God's will, right? I mean, we go through this, this whole laborious thing. We're looking for the perfect date. We're looking for the perfect school to go to, the perfect job to have. Yet, oftentimes, what we know and what we come to find out, but we're not in the equation in the process of making or not making decisions, an indecision is a decision. An indecision is truly a decision. And number three, number three, we let emotions overrule logic. We allow emotions to overrule logic. This is such a real thing. There are times that maybe you, like me, because of all the information we have at our fingertips, we just simply overanalyze everything. Uh, even to the most silliest of things in our lives, those things that cost $10 or $20. Now, I get it, for some that may be significant, yet we spend an enormous amount of time about some of those things that, well, don't matter much. And then the things that do matter a great deal and have a great impact, we tend to be impulsive about. And they have these lingering, long-term effects that we don't consider. I had a friend who was in the midst of frustration. He was a he was a teacher that was nearing retirement and he was just headed up to his eyeballs, if you will, with what was going on. And I don't know all that was going on, but he retired mid-year. And I remember talking to this friend and I said, huh, we were, many of us were caught quite flat-footed that he retired. I'm like, huh, okay. So let a few months, six months kind of pass. I'm like, hey, Dwayne, did is that really what you wanted to do? And he's like, no, not really. Not really. Just the, the angst of what was going on triggered me. It relieved the immediate pressure he felt, but he, he later had to huck a lot of things because of the way things were set up at the time uh, to make up ends meet. Now, I'm not saying he made the wrong decision, but he would say that he made an impulsive decision based on his level of frustration. Uh, your kids upset you. And logic says to us, and says, be patient, but emotion says, uh, yell as loud as you can. Uh, and many times our emotions do take over when we're in those situations. Unate uh, unexpected temptation, your logic says, uh, dangerous. I mean, there's something that clicks on uh, don't click that. Don't send that share. But all of a sudden, it's too late because it's like, yeah, let's party. It's all good. And then the repercussions. So often, it's the emotional decisions that end up hurting us or hurting others the most. And most often, the ones we probably love the most and are closest to us. 
So really, a lesson here, we should not let, don't make permanent decisions based on temporary emotions. Let a, a filter work through that. Don't make, de- don't make decisions that are going to impact you for years to come based on the emotion you feel in the moment. Why do our decisions matter so much? Uh, well, it's because of what we said earlier. The quality of our decisions determines the quality of our life. It's as simple as that. We make our decisions, and our decisions, guess what? They make us or they form us into where we're heading. One of the best ways to live a forward-looking, people-loving, God-glorifying life is to decide before what you will do later. To decide before what you will do later. One of the best spiritual tools you can do is decide now what you want to do later. It's called the power of pre-deciding. It's the power of pre-deciding. The power of choosing ahead before uh, you're in the moment. You know they're coming. You can do this with God being your helper. He wants you to honor him, but he also wants you to be honored by his wisdom he can give. So we take Proverbs 16, 3, that says, commit to the Lord whatever you do. Everything. You're dating? What are you going to do? Commit it to the Lord. I'm going to stay on his path. I'm going to date the way that he called me to date. You're married? Uh, Commit your marriage to the Lord, Uh, not to the ways around you. You're a parent? Uh, Continually, every day, daily, just say, I commit this to the Lord. You're on a job? It's not about your coworkers. It's about the Lord. Commit it to the Lord. Uh, Let's make life simple and commit to the Lord whatever you do. I mean, seriously, simplify. Something's happening. Had to, you heard it too. I know you did, so might as well play to it a little bit. Commit to the Lord whatever you do. And guess what? The scripture goes on to say, he will establish your plans. He will establish your plans. Jesus said, everything you need. Think about this. Everything you'll need will be taken care of when you first, what? Seek his kingdom and his righteousness. No, so no better time than now to commit all your plans and all of yourself to him. All your decisions to the Lord. With the Lord's help and wisdom, we're going to learn to pre-decide. Uh, decide ahead. Uh, determine our course of action before the moment of decision. So let's simplify it a little bit. How many of us have gone to bed waffling on the decision to get up with our alarm. Now, before you answer, this is the question. How many alarms do you have set to get up? So you may say, I don't waffle. I have my alarm set. Well, I would say you probably do waffle because you have alarms set. You're just like me. You're just like me. It's like, okay, well, if I don't get up with the first one, I know I have space for the second one. But pre-deciding says, I'm only going to set one and I'm going to get up, right? I mean, in a very simplified way, in a simplified thought pattern. Uh, but that one is, just points out how difficult pre-deciding is. It does. I mean, for a lot of different things in our lives. With the Lord's help and wisdom, we're going to pre-decide. We're going to determine our course of action before the moment of decision 
before the moment of a decision. Then when the question comes to our mind, should I look? Should I buy this? Should I reach out to this person? Should I yell? No, no, you, you've already predecided. You've already predetermined how and where you're going to go with your emotions, your thoughts, and how you're going to react to it. What if you have a problem with impulse buying and you see that that sale is incredible? I mean, it's a real temptation if you have impulse buying issues, especially around certain things. Now, we all have them. Let me tell you, we all have them. They're just around certain, th everybody has their certain thing that's impulse buying. Let's say, hey, let's say now that you pre-decide that whatever it may be, that you wait for three days. You just say, right? We're wait for three days. And if you're wondering where I pull this stuff out of, uh, join Kathy Graham in FPU, and she will help you uh, understand some of these principles to bring control around some of our spending and behaviors in that way. Yeah, you can do this. Uh, when you're tempted, instead of perseverating on the circumstance and allowing worry to take over your mind, your life, you predecide to pray to the Lord and commit it to Him. I mean, until you, I know this is a little old-fashioned, until you find release from the worry, from the perseverating, that means to continually think about, you pray. You just stay there and say, Lord, I'm not moving until it's committed to you. And you may have to return. I get it. But we need to pre-decide what we're going to do. Now, if we don't pre-decide on those situations, we're more off to share with others or call a friend um, who may be of some help, but they may not be the ultimate help. You know, when I go to the, when I go to the hospital and we pray for people who have had surgeries or having surgeries, uh, we, we thank the Lord for the medical doctors. Uh, the Lord's given them the intelligence, whether they recognize it or not, to be able to do what they do. But ultimately, who is the grand physician? It's God. It's God and him alone. And so when we give it to him, we don't have to worry. We, we've given it away to him. Someone caught you off in traffic, which, which will happen, by the way. What do you do? Why, why decide in the moment? Why don't you pre-decide? On a good day, right, you, you let it go because guess what? You're not in a hurry. But what on those days when you are in a hurry? What are you going to do? Guess what? You can pre-decide now to do the same thing you would do on the days you're not in a hurry. It's okay. It's going to happen anyway. Just let it go. Relax. The Lord knows. He's in control. In fact, we might even lean in and go, hmm, wow, Lord, bless that person. Not in a southern, as I understand it, you know, bless their heart type of way. Right? That's what I've told that if you have, you know. But seriously, in a way that says, wow, if they're in that much of a hurry, Lord, keep them safe. Direct their hearts. May they find a peace today that will, will bring them to a place of, uh, that's healthy. Now, where do we find this idea of predeciding? Well, if you're, if you're wondering if it's found in Harvard Business School, I'm sure it probably is, but guess what? The Bible has a, has a few words to say about it too. Genesis 22, when, when God told Abraham, hey, I want you to, take, uh, want you to sacrifice your son Isaac, 
right? It says this, then take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. If we were to stop there, right? You have it all in front of you. You go, well, I don't know, Lord. This is my only son. But there's something about Abraham that he's come to learn about God. And it says, early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. That's the power of pre-deciding. I'm going to trust God in all situations. I'm going to give him this situation. I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I'm going to be a trusting, obedient son of God. Same thing with Ruth. You can read this in Ruth chapter 1. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you from me. I mean, that's the power of pre-deciding. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. Mom, I'm going with you. But you're not my real mom. No, no, no. You're my mom. And I'm going with you, and your people are going to be my people, and I've already decided this. This is between me and the Lord. Daniel, right? We're going to talk more about him in the coming weeks. This guy was the king of pre-decision. He and his friends were, taking essentially, were, were taken essentially hostage to a foreign land, and they were attempted to be brainwashed and to think the way that culture thought. But instead... Daniel and his friends, uh, we've come to know them as Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. They had other names too. But uh, in Daniel 1, it says this. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. That whole idea of being resolved was a pre-decision. He and the Lord had pre-decided, and we know from his story, and we'll get into it a little bit more, that, that those decision-making, those pre-decisions uh, were of this essence of, of changing things in his life. But why did Daniel do this? Why did the others do this? Well, in Daniel's case, he, because he knew who and what he valued. He knew who and what he valued. So let me ask you, what do you value? What do you value? What's the more, most important things a thing or things to you. When you talk to other people, what do they hear come out of you? Literally, what do they hear? Do they hear you, uh, you know, talking about the Lord? Or what else do they, I mean, what do they hear? Because that reveals what we value in us. But ultimately, the question then becomes, so if there's a, there's a tension in that place, what do you want them to know you value? You see, if, it's, if the Lord is not and the kingdom is not part of the first, first few things that come out of your mouth, I mean, obviously our family, our kids and our grandkids, all those type of things do, and those are great. But is that something? Uh, we have to ask this question. Uh, what, do you, what do you want? Even despite your reputation, what do you want? What do you want uh, to know? Uh, what do you want to know deep down matters more than anything else? I mean, what is it that you want, want people to know about you? What do you want to value the most? 
I would say even take this question. I, whatever you're studying in your community groups, this is a great one to ask and to ply into. What do we value? What is it that we value? So what do you value? Well, you may say, I value integrity, and we would all applaud that. Uh, faithfulness, uh, I want to be faithful to God and friends and the purpose that he has given to me. Uh, you may say, I value purity because I want to honor God with not just giving me my heart, but my whole body. Uh, I, I want to honor God with generosity because, well, for God so loved the world that he gave, right? I, I want to do the very things that he does, right? I mean, what is it that you value? And all of those things are good. All of those things are, are part of the aspects of our lives. But this is the reason for centering down on what we value. Because when your values are clear, your decisions are easier. When your values are clear, your decisions are easier. When you know what you value, you can decide ahead of time. There's little question. Whenever I'm faced with this situation because of God's truth, because of what I value, I've pre-decided I, to take this particular action, and we can pre-decide how will this play out. What I promise you is it'll play out again and again and again and again. It'll save you from all types of situations when we determine to pre-decide in our lives. Again, decisions determine direction, and direction determines our destiny our unwise decisions tend to compound negatively. Uh, as I told you about my uh, funny, yet, yet serious, I believe, story about taking a leap of faith, right? One just compounds into another. And they tend to, uh, tend to flow in a slippery slope where there's little control on our part. It's interesting. Our wise, God-honoring decisions tend to compound in a positive way, in a God-honoring way. So as you look at what you value, ask yourself, are your decisions moving in that direction? Uh, are they moving in that direction? If, it's, if they're not, it's time to take your life back. It's time to pre-decide to do something differently, to pre-decide to have a different mind, a different heart, a different way of behaving and acting. But if you are like me, you've found out that there are some things that are true about you. They're true about you. Uh, that that I'm, I'm not as consistent as I would like to be. I, I just am not. When I determine I'm going to work out, I... I find myself falling into not just a couple of days out, but maybe even a week or a month out. I would like to think that I'm more devoted than I am, but really a self-examination of my heart tells me that I'm quite a bit selfish, uh, desirous uh, of, of self-fame, self-prestige. Faithful? Uh, well, you know, in comparison to God, uh, not so much, not a, not a as Jesus would say, and, or the, the way he walked, and, and not even in this area of like finishing things. A lot of things get started that are good, that are positive, but have they been brought to their conclusion like what transpired on the cross? 
So maybe you found that about yourself too. You've, you determined at the beginning of the year you're going to read through the Bible, but uh, you, you got two months in and you realized that you didn't get any farther. Uh, your devotion is there, but you realize that it's easier to, to, to make excuses and, and not to fulfill them. Uh, generosity, even, you know, where uh, it's easier to just take care of self. I mean, all of these things play out. So these are the six, these are the areas we're going to look at over the next few weeks. And so I would like you to join me, if you would, as we take some next steps in just saying some of these things out loud that I believe that we probably all suffer with a tad bit, if not a lot. So when it's easy to be inconsistent on one day, off another, with the help of God, we're going to be consistent. Can we say we are consistent? We are consistent. In a world where people often stray from God and lose their passion, and the devil tempts them to take God for granted, and not to be students of his word, not glorifying him, we're going to be devoted to God. And what are you? Somebody say with me, we are devoted. In a world that tends to be selfish, we're going to be God-honoring. We're going to choose ahead of time what, what I have belongs to God, and I'm going to be generous. So we are generous. We're going to decide ahead of time in a world where unfaithfulness seems to be the norm. As followers of Jesus, we are not the norm. We are different. We are a faithful people. What are we? We are faithful. And finally, Jesus said on the cross, I did everything the Father sent me to do. He said, uh, he said it is finished. We honor God with excellence we don't back down, we don't back off, we don't back away because we are finishers, finishers. We're not what anybody else thinks about us. We are who God says we are and that's often what we forget, the identity of what God has claimed us to be if we are followers of Jesus. And in all those situations, we can predetermine we can predetermine that we are going to be consistent, devoted, generous, faithful, and finishers. So on those days when you're tired and overwhelmed, maybe you're angry and just a tad bit uh, emotionally out of control, discouraged, depressed, you don't know what to do next. In that moment, you'll recognize you are more valuable you're more vulnerable, excuse me, but the good news is your decisions won't be based on the emotion in the moment, but you're on the values God has placed in your heart because when your values are clear, your decisions are easier. And somebody really needs to hear that. I believe that somebody really needs to hear that, that, that we're, we need to have, we can have clear clear decisions based on great values. But this is the good news. As we're talking about decisions, the good news is that we're not saved by the quality of our decisions. We're not saved by the quality of our decisions, but we are saved by the grace of God and our Savior, Jesus, who predecided in the garden called Gethsemane that no matter what comes his way and no matter what price he pays, and no matter how hard it is, no matter the pain he would endure, that he 
predecided, not my will, but yours will be done, your will be done. And he gave his life so we could have the life God, life of God on earth, not just in some far off eternity somewhere, but right now. And so because of that, because God loved us that much, what are we going to do? We're going to commit, we're going to predecide to commit all to him, all of it to him. I love it that we're not saved by the quality of our decisions. Uh, that's beautiful. But we're saved by the grace of God. Uh, his decision and the ultimate decision is to allow, uh, to follow him. So we're going to commit ourselves to the Lord. Commit whatever you do, whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. I, I want us, as we kind of close, I, I tend to believe that there are some of us that we, we have some things we have not committed to the Lord. We're, we're trying to wrestle them down. We're trying to create our own, uh, well, our own purpose out of something. And that there may be amongst us some things that we just need to surrender. We need to commit. We need to submit them to the Lord. And so as we sing this last song, whether it's in your pew or at the altar, I think there needs to be a place where we say, you know what, this is way out of my league, Lord. And I realize that I've not pre-decided. I've been trying to decide on my own. I've been trying to take control of this. That the altar becomes a place where you realize and recognize that the community of faith can come around you and help you into that. In fact, I would even say that the community is here to help you in the process of pre-deciding, to, to live up to those values that you have, to allow you to live in the way that you desire and to move from that place of maybe feeling less fulfilled to fully fulfilled in him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you that your son, Jesus Christ, pre-decided on our behalf. That you, Father, predecided on our behalf. We can go all the way back to Genesis and, and know that you predecided to pursue us. And your son was faithful and obedient to doing just that. Father, may we find ourselves faithful and obedient in allowing our decisions to be committed to you, to predecide what they may be, that, that you will help us to find and center our values in you. Lord, I pray that you will make them clear to us. Whatever that value or values are. But Lord, I pray that you would lead us into a posture while we sing, into a posture of prayer, of committing, of surrendering, and submitting to you. One of the best and foremost decisions you can make is to decide for Jesus. Maybe, friend, you're here this morning and you have yet to decide that Jesus is, as we sang, sang earlier, the way, the truth, and the life. But through this, you recognize and realize that the value of what Jesus can give to you is far greater than what your decisions could ever amount to. If that's you this morning, he invites you. He says, come follow me and I'll lead you into life. Here, here on the screen is a prayer that you can pray if you wish, to surrender and submit to him, to commit uh, not only the decisions, but all of yourself to him. Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercy, grace, and love found in and through Jesus. 
Save me and forgive me from my sins. I give you my life and choose to follow, love, and live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, you're invited to use this altar, use your pew, grab your friends, commit your way to the Lord.